This week's podcast is brought to you by Focal USA. Get all your favorite sports memorabilia at Focal.com. Welcome to this podcast of Center of this Nation. This is your host, Pat Russo. I have my co-host, Ed. Ed. It's been two weeks. Life can sometimes, you know, hand you some lemons, but, um, you know, ba- happy to be back on the podcast with you. How have Likewise. things been? Oh, uh, yeah. Like you said, life can throw you some lemons. You just got to make the best of it and try to make lemonade out of it. So just putting the best foot forward every day. Yeah. Yeah. How about and you? It's, you know what? It's been the same. It's been, you know what? It, it's felt weird. Um, us not recording and, and seeing so much that's gone on since like the, the, the trade deadline and all the storylines and all the narratives. And it's weird because like, I think the, the, like the, the kind of hiatus that we took actually kind of gave me some time to kind of reflect on some of the stuff that I'm reading. Cause like, I literally sometimes have to just log off of Twitter. Or I just get angry. I hear you there. It's, it, it's ridiculous. It's, it's and you know what? It some of it comes from mainstream media. Some of it comes from quote unquote ardent fans. Um, and the, I think the part that rubs me the wrong way, because it actually leads into our first topic, is uh, there is still an underlining like that old school mentality of like how a player needs to conduct himself. You know, and I, I remember seeing a bunch of tweets about how Mitch Marner and Austin and, and Willie come to the games, you know, what they're what they dress like. And then, you know, I, I found myself in a conversation with one, you know, with someone that follows us on Twitter um, and his take on Austin Matthews. I, I believe it was, it was in the game against New Jersey where he caught the puck to the back of the knee. Yeah. Was it New Jersey? I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure against New Jersey. And like, why didn't he get up? And I'm like, the things that people find to be like a travesty really have no bearing on the game. You know, like my instant reaction was, okay, is Austin injured? And how does that impact the Leafs in the playoffs? You know, I don't care. He took an extra couple seconds on the ice. I don't care that, you know, he ended up needing to you know take some time off from the game and then come back like that was never my concern my concern was what is the long-term health of a franchise center you know and it's funny the people that complain about the minutiae are always the first ones are like this team has to win a stanley cup you know they need to get you know go on a run but then their concern isn't around the health of this franchise center yeah I agree. It's we were discussing just before we started recording about like some of the stuff that we see and read and like some of these takes that some of these people, uh, I mean, they they are beyond outlandish. Um, And the I mean, the narratives just it's driven in the wrong direction. Like they're more worried about a perception of how long he's down and 
like you said, instead of the actual main concern, which should be the, the well-being of our cornerstone forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's the, makes you wonder where their perspective, like their, uh, you know, perspective is and, you know, priorities are. Uh, I mean, if you're more concerned about, you know, oh, he stayed down 30 seconds instead of, oh, God, you know, how this is going to play out the yeah. big picture instead of just, you know, the microscopic, you know. But even, but even too, I remember I ruffled some feathers. I'm not sure if you, I think you actually liked the tweet. I'm not going to lie. Um, when I was actually poking fun of the fans to jump on and off of the Leafs bandwagon, depending on the nightly result. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I, you're either in or you're out. You can't have one toe in each pool. No. You know what I mean? Like you're either you're either an ardent fan and you're gonna sink or swim with the team. You know, I've said this many times on our podcast. I've said it many times on our Twitter feed. The way I look at my fandom, and it, obviously people have wide ranging, and this franchise doesn't deserve any um, sort of um, you know goodwill based on how they've they've done. But I've always believed that you know you stand behind. Or sure, you stand beside someone in victory and you stand behind them in failure. Yep. And that's like, I, touching on this, and we've touched on it numerous times. I mean, my loyalties to this team, I, I mean, I'm always going to love and cheer the Leafs. As much as this team will drive me batshit crazy and probably gray some hairs. Uh, oh, that's sure. why I shaved it. I'm not sure if you, <laughs> for our listeners, yeah. you can't see this. I had to like, trim down my goatee because you could start to see some of the gray hairs and then t- Saturday I'm getting my head shaved so you'll I'll lose some of the other gray hairs to make myself yeah. look a little bit younger. I think mine skipped from gray to white altogether oh. but but in all seriousness I mean yeah I mean my the listeners can't see but I mean I've got this logo inked on my arm I yep. intend to have a full sleeve I mean my fandom is I, I'm loyal to the day I die um and, and like the thing, I guess, to get back to the point I was kind of thinking is like with all of the stuff that's gone around over the years with the narrative around this team, it is frustrating because I, I catch myself kind of being sucked into the way they, way they think. But I am recently have just kind of been stepping back and say, you know what, I, I'm just going to enjoy the ride. I, I know this team has been frustrating. We've got nothing but you know first round exits matthews era we haven't seen the second round since 04 we all know that and beaten that dead horse but this team has done incredible things and and looks to probably surpass the records it set last year it's you gotta enjoy the ride as frustrating as it is let's just enjoy it it things I mean, we're bound to finally break through. I feel, I truly do feel that this team, once we see the playoffs start, I I believe in this team. I think they've got what it takes to exercise some demons. Once you get out of the first round, see what happens. I mean, once you get in too, it's a whole new ball game. It's, it's a whole so. new co- and, and, and what people don't like, you know, I've had many multiple conversations about this and it's like, well, look how well Boston is doing. And like Tampa's a juggernaut, whatever happened in the past. So Boston winning a Stanley cup, Tampa winning a Stanley cup has no bearing on this year's playoffs. Yeah. That's the great thing about sport. You know, every season's a brand new season. Every season has the potential to give you a different result. And, 
I, I like a lot of the moves Kyle Dubas did. Yeah. Um, I I, th- I think that they're much better built for the playoffs. And mind you, I did go in, I, I did join the dark side when Ryan O'Reilly went down. And I remember one of my tweets was, just when things are going well, the bloody fucking curse comes back yeah. and burns them. <laughs> and it's like that's it, but that's been the whole Kyle Dubas era, right? Like he's yeah. made a lot of right decisions in a normal world where the cap continues to rise he would have been able to round out the rock. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. literally just piss poor luck along the yeah, way. It, it is. And I mean, that's the thing though. I mean, with the O'Reilly injury. Yeah. That, that gray gloomy cloud started lingering over. Yeah. And I'm but, like, like, they can't do it. Like, like now, now we're bringing in players and they've spent maybe what five games and they're being stung by the curse. Like yeah. it really feels unfair. Well, and to have it where that was the same game that Matthews ends up going down with that block shot. And yeah. And so it's like, Oh shit, we just lost two of our three top centers. It's like, yeah, this is just Ballard just staring down at us, giving us the big old middle finger. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it's... at the same time, you know what? It, I guess it's sports. I mean, the fans just like the players. We have our superstitions. Unfortunately, yeah. we have this. But hey, if the Red Sox can exercise the curse of the Bambino, the Cubs can get it. I, I hope we don't have to wait 180 years but i'd like to see it in our lifetime i i i just believe in this team you know I, and it's just like anything it, all good teams go through a lot of adversity i mean boston's showing chinks in their armor as of late what they've they've been what they lost i think what three in a row recently they they've shown some signs that hey there's and pittsburgh's coming on like yeah. a pittsburgh boston and- series is pretty it is it, a potential yeah. And with Pittsburgh coming on as of late, the playoff, you just never know. Like, and you never know. Ne- what, yeah. Like, you, sorry. Uh, no, like, no. with Boston, Boston, they could potentially face the Islanders as well. That was another one. Who knows what the Islanders could do? I mean, I, I don't hold high hopes, but uh, I mean, they've got pieces in place that who knows? Yeah. Anything can happen. An upset can happen. I, I you know, I'm not. We know we're going to face Tampa, barring some epic collapse. I mean, Tampa's looking like they could collapse the, the way they've been playing as of late. And the way Ottawa's come on since the deadline, uh, I mean, who knows? They might scratch their way in, into eking in, and who knows? But I, it's just, I'm not worried about Tampa so much. I'm not worried about Boston. I think right now, I just we just got to focus one day at a time and one game at a time. And, uh, you know, just worry about what we do. Uh, yeah. Like our club they, just focuses on that and that's all they need. They need to worry about. And, and I, you know what? It's funny. Cause like, you know, I thought that they, they played really well in that seven, four game against Edmonton. Um, then they had the stinker, which we knew that was coming, you know, and then I thought they played well against Colorado. Like it, it was a very well fought defensive game. And th- yeah. it's those types of games um that are more comfortable with this team winning yep. than yeah. I've ever been. Like yeah. when it was one one, I wasn't worried about Colorado winning. Like ended up, you know, Colorado ended up winning in a shootout. But like the Le- you know what I mean? Like the Leafs look sound defensively. Yeah. I mean Colorado's fighting tooth and nail for every point. They're yeah. they're you know we we're locked in a playoff spot. I mean what we'd have to probably lose out every last game we have. 
to miss out at this point where Colorado is fighting tooth and nail. Um, I'm, which, yeah, which, I, which speaks to the, which speaks to sport, you know, you go from mm-hmm. winning the Stanley cup and now you're fighting tooth and nail to get into a conference, to get into the playoffs in the conference. It's already weak. Yeah. So it, it's, yeah, just goes it, to show you. So. Yeah. You just never know. And you know what? It, 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 it does. There's, there's a, there's a uniqueness about sport in most aspects in life you don't get. And I like the fact that every player, no matter how bad of a season you had prior, you can always redeem yourself. And I think we're at a point with this group that they're at, I think they're tired of the losing. Yeah. And and I, and I think now they've been isolated more, you know, with the additions of Lafferty and Achari and O'Reilly and McCabe, um, you know, even Zach Austin Reese, I thought has, has come on as of late. Like, I think I, I've enjoyed his, his play. Um, yeah. So I just, I just, you know, I, 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 there's something about this group that intrigues me. And, and I, I liked, I, and, and for me, I'm very sentimental. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I like the idea of having Matt Murray in the playoffs. There's just, there's something about, him in the playoffs that just seems to bring out a different gear in him. And, yep. you know, we, we spoke about, you know, his, his passion for the Toronto Maple Leafs because that was his late father's favorite team. I wouldn't count him out. And I know a lot of people want to, and I know a lot of people have said, Oh, you know, the Leafs are going to probably end up starting Samsonov. So what Pittsburgh started flurry and Matt Murray still won them the Stanley cup. Yeah. I, I still think, honestly, I agree with most critics and most people as well as you. I mean, for me, game one should be a no-brainer, barring like an injury. Murray should be playing game one. Uh, I think his, you know, his resume has earned him that. I mean, and when he has played, I mean, the last couple of starts have been a little shaky. But, but I thought he I, redeemed himself. Okay, which was the... Which was the one where he started off so, and I, was that the one that they flaked out on? See, and that's the thing, yeah. The Because the... there was one game where the team didn't even show up, and like, yeah, he let in a couple bad goals. That was, was the Vancouver. That was Vancouver, and, and yeah, that, yeah. That, that Vancouver game was terrible. Yeah, and I'm not faulting, I am I would not fault Murray for the loss on that. The team hung him out to dry on that. Yeah. Uh, and, then, I, and then I thought he came back well again. Then he yeah. played against Edmonton. I thought he played well against Edmonton. Yeah. You know, he made that save on on um, Fogle, I believe it was, that yeah. would have made it 4-1. And then the Leafs came back and won. Like, yeah. I And that's the thing. Like, that's why I still believe he, his body of work this year, as when he's been healthy, it, it's been, he's been solid. I mean, yeah. you're, you're going to have your ups and like your ebbs and flows, your ups and downs and stuff. And Sammy, he's been phenomenal, but I mean, you look, he's, he's lights out at home, but he struggles on the road. Yeah. And I was was joking with a buddy just saying, Hey, maybe we start Sammy at home and have Murray on the road for the playoffs. Just, Hey, if Sammy can be like money in the bank at home and Murray stands, you know, has stood tall on the road. But I, I'm not even. But I'm not even. And I've had this conversation, and it's not based on anything I've seen on a game by game basis, but just overall. If Sammy wins the net between now and game 82, I I have no worries of putting him in that in game one and let and just seeing what he does. Yeah. 
right? And then if it then if game one some, somehow goes sloppy or you know the goals start racking up and you want to make a change and you bring Matt in, I'm fine with Matt running with it. Like yeah. I'm I've been of a belief, like I, I believe in you know meritocracy. Whoever's playing well gets the net, and then you you kind of ride it out, and then you see. Like, but it's funny because, like, in saying that, like, I, I have full confidence in the goaltending where I don't is the least special teams. And that's my biggest issue. I, I believe that they should have used whatever final bullets they had at the deadline to find that additional depth scoring because I'm still not impressed with the power play. I liked it with the brief stint we saw of O'Reilly. I would have liked to seen what a bit more of the – of the power play after the deadline because you know we didn't get to see much of the complete roster before O'Reilly got hit so it'd be it'd be nice to see how Keith could have you like incorporated O'Reilly in whether he had maybe swapped some pieces on the top like on the top unit maybe use O'Reilly as a net front presence and bump someone onto the second power play and have Gustafson QB it with you know put like a Willie on the second unit or even put Mitch on the second unit and uh spread a little bit of the talent out I mean I still have I I still have my issues with Riley on the top yeah I, I I I just I don't he he just doesn't get it done or at least this season has been just terrible i'd like to see him shoot more i think i think legit what his problem is is he 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 overthinks it and wants to make that extra pass that if he would just shoot i think he would open up shooting lanes for his teammates i think he would also open up passing lanes because then people have to start respecting that shot and i i wouldn't even mind trying mccabe on that just be like, just Jake, fire the puck. You get the puck, shoot it on net. Well, they tried. It looked like they gave McCabe a little bit of power play time on the second unit last game there in the Colorado game. I see him get, you know, kind of the tail end minutes. But yeah, it, I, I agree. Someone has to yeah, shoot I'm, the puck. It, it, you know, you can you can pass it. You can, you know, do like, like Mitch does, his little button hook at the blue line and, you know, they just need to get the pucks on net and get a couple of dirty goals, get that confidence back in the, in, in the power play. And maybe it takes off again, but, and it's funny cause like we're critiquing and I think they're number two in the NHL. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, Edmonton's like a mile away. Yeah. They've got it's watching that game against Edmonton and seeing just how disgustingly talented that, well, McDavid and dry saddles are. It's just, it's remarkable. Like those, those guys are just unreal. But then, but then, but see, then there's the, then there's the, the, um, the cost benefit of it, right? Like as good as they are offensively, they don't play defense. Yeah. Right. Like Where I don't, that's I don't. Why, that's why I've always, I know the argument comes up. It's like, if you were to start your, your franchise, which, which center would you take McDavid or Matthews? I'm always personally, and not just because I'm a Leaf fan, but I'm going to always take Matthews because I like Matthews 200 foot game. I'll sacrifice, you know, 30, 40, 50 points that McDavid may put up um, to have a complete 200 foot center that in my eyes should be in the running for the Selkie 
like for like could be a perennial selkie yeah. candidate like you know along with the capability of you know offsetting that with a rocket and heart trophy as he's already done like this guy has got all the tools i mean if he had the the wheels that mcdavid had i mean they're i think that's one of the main differences in what gets some points yeah and, and and that actually goes back to you know our original conversation right off the hop of this recording is like austin played with a hand injury i believe for a good chunk of the season so it did yep. limit his goal production you know i know in our group chat and, and i know we mentioned this group chat it's a really famous group chat now in our podcast <laughs> <laughs> but like i know a lot i know for myself i had mentioned that i thought maybe something was off that you know you don't really generally see austin shooting that far below his career average um and i there were times where it he did look tentative mm-hmm. you know like you know he'd maybe want to take that slap shot or that wrist shot and then just waffled on it or passed it. You know what I mean? So I'm happy that he's feeling better. Um, I think that that obviously improves the Leafs' chances when you have your you know your franchise center playing well. And I've you know what I for someone that knocked Mitch and 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 really wanted to see more of Mitch Marner after that whole contract fiasco, I've been impressed with his play. He's engaged. He's shooting more. Um, I just. I like him. Like, I think he's really, really good. And I, I think he's having just a fabulous, fabulous year. And, and like I said, for someone that, that was really hard of him, uh, I there's nothing you can say about him this year. No, I agree completely. And I, he, he's been very much engaged. You see the passion. And, and I mean, I think that's, you see that across the core four in general. I mean, you look at Willie, he is, he's business. Like this year, there he has been, as consistent as you can possibly get um like jt same thing like it, he's fully healthy you see like oh so he, you touched on another one of my pain points with jt why are there toronto police fans and i say this to our listeners and tell yell at your family if if they've ever brought up anything but what is what is with people's hatred with jt what has john tavares done that's earned so much so much criticism like i i, I just I like him. with the leafs that's what what got him no but but it's not eye. but it's not it's not the rival fans that i find get them criticize him but it's within our own fan but, base but that's the thing his signing it is a lot of like the the real vocal fans of this fan base like they they all like kind of pinpoint to him oh you know if we didn't sign Tavares and we just went out and got a couple other pieces at the same price tag you know it'd be a different picture or you know it's because of Tavares that we've had to see Hyman walk or you know all these tired narratives of you know it's his fault like it's it's he's been a whipping boy much like Nylander has and it's it's I mean it's just I don't know, misdirected the, hatred. It, it, it is. It, it is. It, it literally comes down to his contract. And I remember saying to, to someone, I'm like, when the Leafs signed Tavares, he came on a discount. Yeah. Because he was, was going to get 13, 13, 14, 14 in San Jose. And, yeah. and my whole argument in defending that signing is if he had gone to, say, Boston or Tampa or Montreal, like a real rival for the Leafs. Kyle Dubas would have worn that forever by the same people 
that are now criticizing the signing. Yeah, because it's always about contracts, especially in the Atlantic. I mean, and we're always the, I guess the Leafs are always seemingly the butt end of the joke or the punchline because it's like, oh, Boston got all their value signings. Well, no, Boston took a chance on signing guys ahead of, you know, and looked at them and kind of said, all right, you're projecting to be like this. So if I give you this dollar figure now, you know, we're taking the, we're, we're, you know, taking the chance you're going to live up to it. And a guy like Marshawn and Pasternak both lived up to their contracts. And then Tampa, you know, everybody there took like a hometown discount. You know what? I think Stevie Y did get those, the core to bite to take a bit of a haircut, but even those dollar figures at that point, I mean, you know, shelling out what eight a piece for your, your core of headmen and Kucherov and, you know, Stamkos and all them. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, in but comparison. You but you can't look at the raw numbers. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, I mean. No, but the raw, the problem with the raw numbers when people are like, oh, you know, Bergeron signed for, let, let's just, like I said, 8 million. Let's just use that as a whatever argument for this, for just for this conversation. Yeah. But it's like he signed at that point when the cap was 72 million. Yeah. So. You, you can't look at just raw numbers. You have to look at, at the time of that signing, what was the cap allotment towards that contract, right? So obviously, as the salary cap goes up, so do the top end of the contracts. Because we know with the salary cap, your superstars are getting paid more and more at every, at every contract, right? So you can't compare what the avalanche when they signed their court or after, you know, off, off their entry-level contracts, you can't, it was a different time. McKinnon had what? Not as many, like he didn't have as good of a career until after he signed that contract. Yeah, exactly. That, that was, that was the avalanche, you know, buying high on McKinnon and then it turned into a huge value contract, but that's the thing. Uh, I think the argument when it comes to those, like, you know, those, uh, examples, I think is partially ignorance. That's, it's kind of a narrow sighted argument without really delving into, you know, details such as, you know, comparing timeframes. It, Cause it'd be like, you know, you could go back to like the Blackhawk dynasty and say, well, yeah. you know, they were handcuffed at the cap cause they had Duncan Keith and Seabrook and uh, Tane and Caves all locked in at high dollar values. But then once again, you look at the cap situation back then, what you're talking mid sixties at the beginning of the dynasty. So it, it's, you, you really got to look at it, take a step back and look at the full picture when you're making these arguments and not just kind of have a narrow sighted yeah. view on it. Yeah, you can, and, but the problem is if you're not comparing apples to oranges, when you're just looking at raw numbers, because you, you have to his, look at the context, right? Yeah. Like, and I think honestly, his, his contract is fair market value for what he's done production wise. How can you go wrong with a guy that's average? What? 85 plus points has been, pretty uh like a dependable healthy player yeah. you know he's been an admirable leader uh, he he's great in the community i mean it, he brings intangibles that you don't see just on the ice like but what I, but, 
even just from that perspective about the intangibles, and you brought a lot of them up, there was a time where a lot of big name free agents refused to come to Toronto. Yeah. And, and now you have a that- hometown boy that, that wanted to come back and now we're crapping on him because, oh, you know what? A global pandemic came, <laughs> froze the salary cap, and that we're now making that his problem. And this is and this is just like the tale of our fan base. Like we are such a fickle, it's a fickle, fickle group of so many different demographics of fans. Um it, Wait, but I don't think it's you frustrating. Can- but I don't think you can lose objectivity. And if there's one no. thing that I've, I, I think that since I, we started this blog and podcast is I see the game differently that, you know, sometimes it's actually, it's actually better for your own psyche as a fan to lose the fan hat and just take a step back and kind of just look at the whole picture. Because when I hear people say, oh, you know, the Leafs are in cap hell. So was 90% of the contenders. Find me you a contender that's not in cap hell. Yeah. What is it? I saw a tweet from from cap friendly recently that there's one team i think there was up until just the around the trade deadline it was like 31 of 32 teams had used the ltir so if that doesn't indicate that where everybody's cap situation is sitting i mean and then i mean if we want to touch on cap things one thing that does that just just it's laughable is the before the deadline, how Batman has this stern, um, you know, we're watching for trades for the LTIR kind of, you know, kind of circumventing the cap. And here we see like what right after that's announced, we see the Gus Nice Quest trade from Columbus to Minnesota. Yeah. And I think it all worked out that nyquist was actually acquired and wasn't necessarily had to be put on ltir but i mean you see there were still deals that were going on that were circumventing the cap i mean you look at arizona's payroll what 90 percent of it is dead cap with the the contracts they own and i mean vegas is a poster child of being able to find ways to circumvent the cap one way or another and i mean hey i the Leafs have one of the best capologists in Prin, uh, Brandon Printum there. And uh, hey, he's able to wave his magic wand and make things work. So, it, but that's the, the kind of game you have to play. But still, it's kind of laughable that uh, you, you hear Batman publicly chastise and threaten, you know, repercussions and. It's like whatever business as usual. Yeah. It's just, it's so funny because like every time some, the Leafs find a way to make, to keep their team together, you get like people like, oh, the Leafs are trying to circumvent the cap. I'm like, didn't Tampa just win a cup with, and they printed t-shirts after they won the cup of like, what was it? 118 million or 108 million. Yeah. And they, and they made a mockery of it. And no it's one the said it. off clause. Like that's right. what it's going to be renamed in the next CBA. Because like it's the Tampa, like but but I don't but personally I don't care. Yeah. Because every team can do it. Like it's not like the yeah. Leafs or the Leafs or Tampa or Boston or what name the team. Yeah. If someone finds a loophole and can build a team that wins a Stanley Cup, I don't care. Kudos. Yeah. I don't care. I, I you know what I didn't care that Tampa did it. Congrats. They figured yeah. out a way. They figured they- out a way to screw Gary Bettman 
I, I, you know, I would have driven the Stanley Cup to them just for giving Gary Bettman <laughs> the, the bloody middle finger. Absolutely. However, it is. I mean, it, it's legitimate. You know, you found a loophole, all the power to you. I mean, yeah, the 31 other teams are just jealous because they didn't figure it out first. It, but, but, but the thing is, no, but I think they did, right? They just didn't know how to really manage it well. Yeah. But Tampa did it so great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Or maybe they just weren't brazen enough to take that approach. And Tampa's yeah. like, you know what? Screw, Screw it. it. We're There's going a loophole. It. There's a loophole. I'm driving the, I'm driving the transport truck right through it. Yeah. And, and good on them. Yeah. Let's see where this goes. And it worked out all the power to them yeah i have so. no issues like i said i have no issues if there's a way to make a gary bettman and the salary cap look ridiculous so hopefully one day they remove it or make it a soft cap yeah and and that actually takes me to like another argument that i or another conversation i want to have before we wrap up this week's recording um mm-hmm. cory landsberg posted today an interesting tweet about the nhl and gary bettman um and it just talks about just how badly Gary Bettman has screwed over the NHL and, and the whole idea of like the flat cap. So Corey posted, actually it was yesterday, since the pandemic, the NBA soft cap has gone up 14.5 million. The NFL cap, soft cap has gone up 26.6 million. The NHL signed a new national deal in the US, gets 650 million from Seattle that they don't have to share and the cap barely budgets. And then that doesn't yeah. even count the gambling money. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it makes no sense. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. And then people are like, oh, you know, the owners are happy. But that's fine. But the, but the product that's being sold isn't making the owners happy. Fans don't care. Fans yeah. want to see their team win. Fans want to have... You know, each you know each fan base wants to have their team have, you know, an, an advantage and whatever. And we you know how much interest was there in the NHL when they broke the record for the amount of trades? Yeah, it's under this, like under this regime, the NHL has been. It's stale. It's it's stale. It's, it's been left in the dust by the other major sports in North America. I mean. Like we discussed it a few weeks back when we were just uh, talking about pro- like profit and everything, and like we touched on this in yeah, depth. sponsorship it, revenue. M- MLS is yeah, MLS is pretty close to the NHL. Yeah, the NHL and can be bumped out of the top four in the United States. Yeah. And, and the sad thing is, is like uh, another thing I saw today was Valley uh, Sports that bought out Fox Sports filed yeah. for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. So here we are they're going to be fine for the rest of the season that they announced, but uh, you know, next now we're the NHL in the U S is losing a lot of regional coverage. And I mean, they were touching on, uh, I, I was listening to something today talking about how attendance or ratings in the U S nationally are surging. Um, yeah. But that's all well and good for the national games. Cause it was like a, I believe it was the Boston Edmonton game. Um, yeah. That was the TNT on Sunday. And then the Monday night uh, sh- games were getting some good coverage and great ratings, but now you're going to lose your regional coverage. And that's going to be tough for like the small market that you look at like in Arizona, you look at even places like, you know, Florida, 
national or nashville i would say even like a columbus columbus maybe not so much because columbus is more of a hockey you know first um region but yeah like you're gonna you're gonna see it impact it and now you're losing yet another way to get your your product out there and you're going to be caught scrambling here and now you're once again missed an opportunity at generating some sort of revenue source if i don't think care. I, I don't think they care I, no. I think that i think that under gary bettman they've capitulated to the small market clubs at the expense of the sport yeah but and it and it's like it, it it comes at the expense of the league you know the, and the fans the, there's no the reason fans. why there's no reason why fans in montreal new york toronto uh chicago and uh, uh, um where are the couple other markets but the larger markets there's no reason why fans in those larger markets should be handcuffed and and have to watch their franchise give money away to other clubs and and the, and then you look at what Arizona, like you said, he brought up with Arizona. Like they've got so much dead money on the books, it's actually comical. They have probably more yeah. dead money than they do active players. They they do. They they said. I think I heard something that of because they're around. They're not even for next year. They're not even projected to meet the cap floor. And it's they have something like I think. 16 or 18 players locked in and they're barely at 60 million i think for payroll and that's the full hit for like a weber who the hell else do they got there like they've got what a half dozen of still active contracts that they've just got sitting on the books there it's insane it's like, dumb and, it's and, dumb and it's and, and they're they're the they're the poster child of cap circumvention and they're but they're because they're gary's baby because gary will never give up on the dream of making you know hockey successful in arizona but yeah i i think i think what the nhl needs is someone that when gary steps down that's younger that understands the modern game that understands because even someone that comes from a hockey background too like they they don't necessarily have to be you know but i i think but i think what the nhl also does very poorly is it doesn't market itself well so i don't want the next commissioner of the nhl to be a lawyer i want him to be someone that understands marketing and sales and i want someone that understands business like really like, understand the game gary doesn't know the game he doesn't like and and if he does then he doesn't care no you need like a, a guy like i don't know just throwing a random name out there but like a mark zuckerberg someone that's i don't know maybe someone from like the tech side you know would be would... great now you speak of a mark mark cuban oh oh he'd be fantastic i mean the the interest he draws just at face value of who yep. he is he's a polarizing character a very outspoken individual and he's great he'd be perfect he's, for the league oh he's phenomenal like because he gets the social issues that i think really negatively impact the nhl and, and the necessity for their players to really stand behind certain social and racial issues yeah. but he gets the concept of what makes the league fun yeah 
Absolutely. I, I think he, he epitomizes all of that. It, now, I wonder, I wonder in a, in a hockey, per, like in a, in a, in the hockey perspective, who that equivalent to Mark Cuban would be though. Like that would be interesting. Cause I, I don't know of one unless it's like, a, unless it becomes like a Mark Messier who I, 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 I've always, I enjoyed him as a player. I enjoy, you know, some of his takes in hockey. Um, who else might be good? But Mark Messier stands out. Uh, I would say a Messier. I don't. I would. Or Eric would, Lynch. I, I, Lynch Ross would be great. I He'd think be Mario Lemieux would be a Lemieux. good. Because he's already got, he, you know, as a team owner, he, he's got the business chops. Yeah. And, and the experience on that side. And I mean, he, his name brings weight in itself. Yeah. It would be, I, I mean, I it has think, to be someone young, though. Like, I think, I yeah. think, like, it I has don't to be think someone with fresh ideas. Or anything like that would be good. I don't, uh, Patrick Waugh would be, no. No, I, I can't see in Patrick. I, I, I just, I, I don't see him having the, the chops to. And it takes, a, it takes a little bit of a personality, too, right? Like, I think you have yeah. to. There, there has to I be think, someone. You know what? I think a Steve Eiserman would be a fantastic. I like Shanny too. Now that you know what, if we're yeah. going to go it, like that era, like those like kind Shanahan of minds, yeah. like Eiserman is brilliant. And I think he, he's got the architect mindset of he would be able to, even but, Joe Sackick would be another one because I think he's young enough that he's still in tune. Yeah. But I, I think I think I think someone would struggle with Eisman because of the fact that he I, he comes across as uncomfortable in the camera. Mm. I don't know if that would translate well, like especially if like there's a suspense that needs to be argued or a controversy. Like I don't know. Like I, I think I would like to see Eisman kind of maybe take on that type of controversy and just see kind of how he skates through a like a difficult press conference because he does. He just. As much as I like what he does behind the scenes, I've always perceived him as really struggling in front of the camera. Or as yeah. I think a Sackick would actually probably be a really good. Yeah, because Sackick has got that outgoing personality. Like he, he's well spoken. Um, yeah, he he just he he has a good. Um... Or maybe the NHL just gets away from one commissioner and goes by a committee. See that. <sighs> That would be actually, I that would be a great idea. I mean, because if you had like a board of you know, well, like, I guess like I think commission. the board of governors, but an additional layer that yeah, that maybe it becomes something where I know like the the players have the NHLPA and then the owners have their board of governors and whatever. But it would be nice if there was like an intermediary of say couple ex owners and a couple ex players, um, kind of maybe bringing different things to the table that could help bring because that's the one thing that the nhl is now known for is their players union and and the league and the owners are constant battle you don't see that in the nba yeah adam silverman would not allow it no you don't see that open hostility you know and 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 that and that and i think that the next commissioner really needs to be someone that has a holistic view of the sport and of the league um to maybe heal some of those rifts with the players because at the end of the day, the players are the product not the owners so i wonder if if we were to, if you were to go with the committee maybe 
I like PK Subban. If you if you go if you go committing, PK Subban. Like, there's a personality right there, and there's someone. I mean, that would be that would be a good person to make if you're going to have a commissioner, just an individual. I mean, that would be a good person. He would be good as your face of the NHL. Because for all the grief that he took, that man has heart, man. Like. Oh, absolutely. And he all the money and time and he loves the game of hockey. And I think that he has that personality that he, but he can be the face that does the outreach that helps grow the league. Yeah. Like it it was, it, it would having like a guy like PK there, would be definitely. But I like Anson. Car- I, like, I like Anson Carter. I, th- I think he's been doing great on 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 hockey night in Canada. I, I he's really smart, really outgoing, really articulate. I like that as an option as well. You know what? What about a person like Haley Wickenheiser? I mean, she's brilliant. There needs to be. I think. I think there needs to be I, a I mean, reimagination it, it may, of that commission I mean, rule. Maybe you need to make a committee across, like you know, the PWA or PWF NHL have like a like a hockey committee in general that kind of oversees there needs to be a summit i think once gary leaves there needs to be a summit and you know players that have a different vision or ex-players retired players maybe even some you know what i would almost even be interested in figuring out a way that guys like connor mcdavid austin matthews have more of a say of what we see well and that's the thing like they're the they're the faces right now I mean, they're in tune as much as anyone else. I, I think having having current players would be a very beneficial part because they can provide insight from the but these young level. But the thing is, it's not even about in game as much as it's they're more tech savvy. They yeah. get they get marketing more. They get the social outreach more. You know what I yeah. mean? Like. There's there's a there's a way that you can use the assets that are in front of you that you already have better. And maybe that becomes a thing that maybe there's some form, like maybe a community that kind of bridges the gap between, you know, the players union and the and the owners and and they figure out a way to improve the game. And and maybe there just needs to be a a revisit on how we see that commissioner's role. Like, I think the problem with Gary Bettman is he's very he's too much in the owner's pool yeah i think it's just we need to evolve the 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 the, he needs the the commissioner needs to be the intermediary right he needs to be that middle ground that you know that is able to work with the players that's able to work with the owners he leans far too much to the owner and i know they're the ones that kind of keep him in his role but the new person needs to come in and say, you know what? We need to look at this league differently. We're, we're being surpassed. Well, and that's the thing. You look at the other major leagues, uh, baseball and basketball, for example. I mean, they made significant strides forward with the changing of the guard. Like when Bud Selig and baseball retired and then the current commissioner stepped in like you've seen advancements things that like Selig was dead set that weren't going to happen or starting to happen with just the advancements the speeding up the game improving that like ways to better the fan experience you know ways that they are growing the game and yeah. evolving to you know attract more eyes and yeah. you know and 
you know, basketball is the same way, like under Adam Silver, like the NBA has made ex- exponential gains in growing so, their okay. product. My brain's gone a little bit scrambled. Who was the, the NBA commissioner prior to Adam Silverman? Oh, his name is. I can, I can see his uh, face. I, I'm I, his name. I can hear oh, his. I Don, can he- Don no nba david stern david stern he did just as good of a job with the nba and you know what's funny if you look at david stern's work with the nba look at when the nba turned the corner it wasn't under gary batman yeah no it hasn't i didn't realize david stern and i actually shared a birthday Oh, well, look at look at this. We random basketball fact and 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 Ed fact. They share the same the same birth. So, but yeah, so, no. You know what it, I mean? Like you look at the NBA. They grew after Bettman left. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, it, we this is. I mean, I think there's been a large portion of fans that have been begging for Bettman to be gone. Like we've seen. No, no other freaking commissioner has seen so many work stoppages. No, and, and no, and no. If I'm a commissioner, gets booed every draft. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It, you know, it's become a running joke, but it started as something serious. Yeah. And I, I mean, if you can't catch the hint, I mean, it just goes to show, like how just ignorant you are for refusing to wanting to evolve and grow. Yeah. There's, it's just too, you know, the old school mentality they have is is stinting things. I mean, but fans, but fans don't come to hockey to know that an owner made profit. The fans don't care. No, they, they want to see they want to see their favorite team win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, they they don't want to talk about the salary cap. You know, why is it no. that you know Bob in Saskatchewan needs to be a capologist to understand why his team can't sign their favorite player? Like it's mind-boggling or why their favorite team can't get an additional asset prior to the playoffs at you know the trade deadline it's stupid that's not what fans should be talking about i agree that's i mean once again what it all boils down to the leadership it all boils down to the these old ways that just aren't working in this new day yeah no one cares i don't care and and it's funny because like Gary has sold so many fans a fake bill of sale. Because I've even had fans come up like, oh, well, the owners are happy. Like, so what? Are you opening up your favorite newspaper or going to your favorite blog site to read that the owner of the Ottawa Centers turned a profit last year? No. Are, you, are, you, are you going to some Arizona newspaper and figuring out that your, you know, your team is taking... No one cares. All it... Uh, the fan cares about his wins, losses, and yep. the, and and the Stanley Cup and a championship. Yep. We don't care about everything else. So why 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 is that the first thing everyone talks about when it comes to the NHL? It, you find me a league. Find me a league that the salary cap is mentioned as much as it is in the NHL, and why it seems to handcuff the handcuff the business. There isn't a single one. No. I mean, I have friends that are hardcore CFL fans. They have a oh, don't a get me started low. with them. Yeah, they got they got like what the lowest salary cap in all of professional sports, and it doesn't handcuff any team. No, they still do whatever the hell they want. Even, I mean, I don't I, I don't even know if you could Google to find what their cap is, <laughs> but 
yeah it's just the fact of the matter it's it, it, it's a non-point but it yeah, should be it, a non-point but it is yeah, but it, it, it in the nhl it's first and foremost yep and like i said you know, you know what it, you think you know, you know you have to thank the ottawa senators and all the small market arizona's your florida panthers thank all those yep. smart smart small market clubs it's it's you know those few have I'm hoping that the NA, the next commissioner will see the bigger picture and realize that fans don't care about team profit. Like, I think, I think if you fix the game, profits come. It's, it's, it's that whole field of dreams. If you build it, they will come build a better oh, yeah. sport, build a better sport. I know, I know yeah. tons of, I know tons of fans uh, or, or they used to be hockey fans that have now gone to other port, sports. They gravitate towards basketball. They gravitate towards the NFL, and the, you know what I mean. It's a better sport, and now, and now, and now the MLS is coming up. Yeah. And you look I, at like, you look at all those sports. Every single one of those sports. I mean, especially basketball, baseball, and football. All those teams spend probably more a year individually than probably two thirds of the NHL do on as a whole. Yeah. And then the profits they're bringing in, like sur- one team's profit surpassed the whole NHL's. So, like, there, there's something seriously wrong here. So that's the thing. Like, how is it possible that all these other owners and all these other leagues are making money and we're so worried about the NHL? And you know what? It, it, it comes down to who they attract. It's the same. I think the NHL is starting to realize, like, hasn't realized yet. And I think a lot of fans don't either that if you don't sell your product to a larger audience they're not coming and because of they they've pigeonholed themselves with a certain reputation that's why they need to hold so dear to some of these markets i, I truly believe that like, i think that if you begin to have the sport represent the emerging demographic in north america demographics are changing we have to, it, it is what it is. So why shouldn't Canada's national sport not reflect the national population? Exactly. Like I said, not- the whole field of dreams. I'll, I'll leave this week's podcast, we'll end this week's podcast on the old field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. And Gary Bedman hasn't quite figured out what he's building. And I don't think he really understands what product he's selling. So, Ed, this has been fun. Any final thoughts to wrap up this week's podcast? I think we're, I think we got her covered. I'm working we, on, working on uh, a little bit of a uh, my upcoming blog here. Just kind of getting a little tease for what could be uh, our potential lineups looking into the first uh, round and hopefully beyond. Ed, you dropped a bomb right at the end of this week's podcast. Um, I guess now the, I know the, the listeners now are going to wonder, Ed, when's that blog coming out, buddy? Oh, if all goes well, should be out by the end of the weekend. Perfect. So look out for Ed's blog, um, you know, before the end of the weekend. Um, this has been great. Thanks to all our listeners. Um, oh, and definitely look out for our upcoming contest. We have one coming out. Um, I think this will... This is probably one of the contests I'm probably going to be the most proud of. Um, So look out for the details. Uh, Ed, thanks again. Thanks, everyone, for listening.